Welcome to the Young Associates Perspective, a podcast about all things related to business, life, and the community. My name is Joshua Zapperzant, and I'm the host of this podcast series. For this episode, I had the opportunity to connect with Dana Spiring, a member of the Associates and the President and CEO of Economic Development Winnipeg. In her role at EDW, Dana provides leadership and strategic direction, collaborates with key stakeholders, and is a driving force behind making Winnipeg a compelling choice for both business and tourism. In this episode, Dana and I talk about Winnipeg and answer the question of why Winnipeg? Why is Winnipeg such a great place to work, live, and visit? Dana discusses what she believes Winnipeg is doing well, what can be done better, and the excitement around the opportunities on the horizon for the city. Winnipeg is home to so many successful businesses and attractions, both on a local and global stage. And as Winnipeggers, Dana encourages us all to support our local economy, share those success stories, and continue to be champions for our own city. In addition to Dana's extensive professional experience, she is a passionate Winnipegger with a drive to volunteer. As a strong leader and role model, Dana is proud to call Winnipeg home and sheds light on how fortunate we are to work and live in this great city. I hope you enjoy listening to our conversation. Dana, welcome to the Young Associates Perspective. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah, really happy to have you as a guest and to share your insights in the city of Winnipeg. So thank you. Happy to be here. So before we get started talking about Winnipeg, I just want to talk a little bit about you and your career path okay. and, uh, and the Associates. Okay. Because uh, it's a big part of that. What? Uh, when did you join the Associates or how long have you been? You know what? I've been with the Associates um, really since I joined Economic Development Winnipeg. So my background, I am uh, I was born in Brandon. I am you know moved to Winnipeg when I was about 12 years old. I went to school here, did law school here, practiced law for a number of years at Aikens, Macaulay and Thorvaldson. And then I moved over to the Canadian Wheat Board and I spent a decade there, um, started as legal counsel, kind of worked my way through the uh, the system and, and became the chief strategy officer. So I was responsible ultimately for selling the Wheat Board when the monopoly was lost in, in 2012, building a grain company, selling the grain company. And then, you know, then it was, what what do I do next? And, uh, and economic development Winnipeg is where I landed. So they had a membership to the associates and, you know, I've had a lot of familiarity with it. My husband's been a member for forever. Uh, so it just seemed like a great opportunity, and, and I joined then. Well, that's great. What, uh, from your perspective, is the real big value for you with, with being a part of the Associates? You know what? I've loved the education sessions that the Associates have done. I've gone to a bunch of those morning sessions. I found them really useful, really topical, uh, and things that I can use in my day-to-day business. Also, just the, the camaraderie and, and you know the socialization and being yeah. able to see people that I don't see you know, necessarily in my day-to-day job, being able to touch base and understand what's going on in the, in the city is, has been really, really fun and valuable. Absolutely, yeah. And for me, it's it's kind of the exact same thing. Really great networking opportunity, yeah. learning opportunity for professional development as well, as especially as a YA, so, yeah. which is great. So a, a little bit kind of, uh, you mentioned a little bit about your career path, but you go to the University of Manitoba, Bachelor of Arts, Political yeah. Science major, law school, yeah. um, and you have some amazing volunteer experience too, as well as being the first uh, the first First woman as the uh, serves the chair of the Winnipeg Football Club Board of Directors. Which yeah, is really exciting. yeah, that was that was pretty great. So and the first woman to have her name on the Grey Cup, which is that's uh, pretty exciting. Pretty cool. That yeah. is very cool. That is very cool. And I guess a very exciting time last year, obviously. Spectacular time last year. Like, last year was kind of the pinnacle, and then you know we come into this season where we should be the big dogs and we should be defending our title. And yeah. you know the season is not looking so bright right now with the pandemic. So <laughs> not a great way to to end it. 
So a, a little bit more kind of to, to your journey, what really led you to this position here? Uh, was it oh. something that you, you kind of saw yourself in for a while or wanted no. to be in? Or? No, not even remotely. You know, I, um, as I said, I started as a lawyer. I did corporate commercial securities law. I uh, ended up getting seconded over to the Canadian Wheat Board. And I was doing um, some financial legal work for them, uh, you know, primarily. But when you're at the Wheat Board, you know, you, you answer other legal questions that, that come up. So in the morning, you know, the, the Wheat Board had a AAA credit rating. They borrowed billions of dollars a year. You know, it was really kind of sexy legal work. It was good corporate commercial legal work. We, um, you know, with, when you have a AAA credit rating, you kind of call the shots and, you know, you deal with New York bankers or bankers in London or, you know, Toronto kind of in the morning. And then I got to talk to farmers in the afternoon. And it was just amazing to me, the dichotomy, right? It was very different in the morning talking to, to lawyers and, and bankers from all over the world. And then, you know, you talk to farmers who really only cared if it was going to rain, right? <laughs> and, and it was just, it was incredibly grounding. And I learned a lot and I loved it. So I went, uh, I, I was seconded there for six months. I went back to Aikens and then they offered me a full-time job at the Wheat Board. So I went there not knowing a whole lot about farming, not knowing, you know, anything about agriculture, but really loving it. And so I became, you know, when I became chief strategy officer, we got to go and buy grain companies and we got to go and buy, we bought a port terminal in, in Thunder Bay. We bought railroads. You know, we, we ended up selling the company to a, a partnership of Bungie, which is a, a big multinational company and the Saudi government. Yeah. Um, so we were negotiating the Middle East. We traveled the world and, and uh, kind of did our dog and pony show when we were selling the wheat board. So incredible experience. I knew all the way through that, that you know, my job would be done. At, at some point we would commercialize and, you know, there'd be no need for me. Uh, so I, I, I kind of went through that not thinking really about what was next. I thought I would I would pause and take a break. I'm on some boards as well, which I, which I really enjoy. I thought maybe that was enough because, you know, you go through that kind of three-year privatization period that we did and I was traveling every week. It, life was crazy and, and just to have... A moment to pause and, and take it all in and, and do that. I, I thought it would be great. I was really lousy at taking a break. <laughs> it did not last well. It did not last long. And, and my husband will tell you it was time that I got back to work. So I took, um, I, I was off for the fall. And in that time, I was still consulting for the wheat board. I still was in China twice. I ran the Grey Cup uh, in Winnipeg. So I wasn't exactly, you know, watching Oprah and eating bonbons, <laughs> but but still it was, it was enough of a break for me. Um, Margaret Redmond came to me actually uh, and, and she was on the board of EDW at the time and talked to me about this position. And she said, you know, the, the CEO's retiring. I think you would be great. Um, you love Winnipeg. You know, this could, be, this could be a great opportunity and something that you could kind of put your stamp on. So that's how it started. Um, yeah, and I, I threw my hat in the ring not knowing a whole lot about economic development in Winnipeg and, and not really understanding the impact that it could have. I think it's, um, I don't think it lived up to its potential previously. And I, I think we're, we're starting to get there now and we're starting to get a lot of traction. And um, it's something that, that I'm really proud to be a part of now. Dana, today's really all about Winnipeg. And uh, throughout the, this episode, the goal is really kind of to answer the question of why Winnipeg and, yeah. and why Winnipeg is such a great place to, um, and that provides great opportunity for both businesses and, and to, to live. Yeah. So what is your take on the current economic state of the city? Well, I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic, so um, it, it, we're, we're struggling, and, and there are industries that are struggling far more than others. I mean, our, our tourism industry is, um, is, is decimated right now, 
and when we have all of our hotels closed, when we have no one that can come and, and visit our city and no large meetings and conventions, you know, there's a lot of people that are um, not able to work during this time. So that's that's really difficult. Um, but but we're also looking forward and we're also looking at what has been able to happen throughout this pandemic. And one of the stories that, that we're starting to tell and one of the stories that I'm so proud of is, is we have had multiple companies, multiple manufacturing companies that have stayed open throughout this pandemic. And this was before protocols were put in place, before someone told you as a CEO, hey, this is what you need to do. Um, these companies put in place protocols. And for the most part, they have not had one case of COVID-19 in their facilities. They have not had any hotspots or any outbreaks of the disease in their facilities. And that, that's a made in Manitoba solution. That is, that is Winnipeg leaders coming together saying, we need to keep our operations running. We're going to keep our operations running. And we're also going to keep our employees safe because that's what we do. And they've done it. And so I think, you know, that's, that's what gives me hope. And, and that's the story that I want to start telling. We have so many incredible success stories in this city that we do a really shitty job of talking about. I mean, you look at Price Industries, they are a global leader in what they do. You know, you look at Conviron, who was you know, shooting Another the lights out company, on yeah. what they're doing. Yeah, and they're, they're incredible. And I bet you most Winnipeggers don't know their name. You know, New Flyer Industries, making the best electric buses on the planet. That's here, that's all happening here. And, and so, you know, I think a big part of my job is, is to be that cheerleader and tell those stories. And, you know, we're, we're humble prairie people and, and may, we may not do it enough. Well, it's, it's maybe hard for Jerry Price or Steve Croft or Paul Subri to, to kind of wave their own flags, but, but I can do it and, uh, and proud to do it. And, and that's what gets me excited about this economy. So that's a long answer to your question, but um, you know, we've got a lot of diversity. We've got, we've got some tough stuff that we've got to get through and the globe is going through that right now. I think we're going to fare better than others because we always do. Mm -hmm. And because we've got that diversity, because we've got that connected community, because we are not a big city um, in the Toronto, New York, Montreal way, we have the ability to get perspective. We don't have the density problems. We don't have, you know, kind of the rulelessness problems. We, you know, Winnipeggers have done a great job of following the rules. We have planked this curve better than any other jurisdiction on the continent. And that's because we're very good at what we do and we listen and we're, you know, community players. And, and I think that's going to show and I think we're going to get back faster than, than the rest of the planet. And I mean, talk about a, a prime example of companies being agile and innovative oh. in a time where that's absolutely required, it, which yeah. is really neat to see locally here in, in Manitoba and to the businesses that you mentioned to be doing those things is, yeah. is amazing. It's amazing. And, and that list, I mean, the list is so long in terms of the companies who have stepped up to pivot their operations and do something differently to make sure that we're in a good position for this pandemic. I mean, Mondetta Clothing, yeah. uh, great company. They make great workout gear. I love it. But um, they also started making hospital gowns and masks and saying, hey, you know what? We have a skill set that, that we can use to help make sure our, our country and our province and our city are better positioned to fight this pandemic, and we're going to do it. Wow. Pretty you know? cool. Great. Very yeah. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. And you're right. And I think the positive outlook on everything, which is the way that individuals and businesses need to look at it, is the opportunity, the the need for innovation, yeah. the opportunity for, for for new solutions and for moving forward. Yeah. And I think we also have to pause and pat ourselves on the back and say, well done, Manitoba. Right. We have eight active cases in the province. Mm -hmm. We know exactly where they are. We know exactly how everyone got it. They're all travel related. And, and we're not spreading this disease in our community. We have no one in the hospital. Right? We are the envy of every other jurisdiction on the continent. 
And, and we've got to celebrate that. I mean, I know it's, it's difficult for other jurisdictions right now, and, and I'm not laying blame on any of them. Um, you know, they all have different circumstances. But we have to feel good about what we've been able to accomplish here. Absolutely. So last March, the, the independent newspaper in the UK published an article calling Winnipeg Canada's comeback city, which is pretty cool. I like it. That is really cool. Yeah. And, and I think that ties exactly to, to what you yeah, just mentioned. Yeah, watch us. Yeah. So, and what, uh, what else do you impart, do you think, at that time when they made that comment, really what, what they were referring to? I, I think they're starting to see the momentum. I mean, we've been, um, we've been making investments in infrastructure. We've been making investments in assets. So we, we did a study um, over the last year and a half or so, and, and we asked people, what are the top three attractions in the city of Winnipeg? The Forks? the CMHR, and Assiniboine Park. If you have not been to Winnipeg in 10 years, you haven't seen Winnipeg, right? The Forks was there, but it was a shadow of itself. Mm -hmm. CMHR wasn't even there. And Assiniboine Park is a whole different experience in the last 10 years, right? With, you know, you see diversity gardens going up, but you see the journey to Churchill. You see all of the, the, you know, building and and renovation that they have done. And we're not the same city. You know, we can add to that the Inuit Art Gallery that hopefully soon will will be on, you know, the docket of that. Um, All the different things that that we're doing, you know, festival-wise and and entertainment-wise. You know, True North, what they've done with True North Square and the buildings that are going up, but what we've been able to do with the arena and, you know, our airport is spectacular. You haven't seen this city if you haven't been here in 10 years. And I think we're starting to, to... really build on that momentum and we're starting to really publicize all the great things that our city has to offer and and I think people are starting to take notice you know there was an article in Vogue um, about two two years after I got here so about two years ago now that said Winnipeg is this sexy city that everyone's got to go see you know and it's <laughs> it's one of those things that it, it makes you proud and, and hopefully yeah. it gets a little attention absolutely and I think just the excitement level around Winnipeg with for example, what you mentioned with all the entertainment with yeah. True North and everything, just white the excitement level, the whiteout parties, yeah. that adds huge to it too, which is fantastic. What has been um, the biggest success that you've seen in Winnipeg during your role here as the CEO? We're starting to get our mojo back. I mean, our biggest success is we're starting to talk the talk. And we have so much to be proud of, but now it's time to come together and actually tell people about it. And we're doing that now. So that, to me, that's the biggest success. I mean, I, I can point to companies that have come here and had success. Ubisoft is one of the ones we talk about all the time. And, you know, to be able to woo them to Winnipeg and have them set up shop here and have them feel like this is home, you know, that's a great success. Um, to have, you know, more and more people going to our attractions, to have meetings and conventions booked that were typically national meetings and conventions that kind of move between Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal, you know, every year, and now put Winnipeg on their list of places they need to come and meet because their delegates want to be here. I mean, that's an incredible success. Um, but, I, but I think our, our real success is that as a community, we're coming together and we're understanding that this is one of the greatest places to be and we're telling that story. Mm-hmm. And so the companies that are in our fold are having more success because success breeds success. And, and that's the greatest from, from my perspective. We talked a little bit about how the businesses are, are really responding during COVID, uh, some of the larger scale businesses. What about the small, the small independent uh, local businesses. I mean, the businesses and the bounce back of the businesses are going to be a major driver behind the bounce back of the economy from yeah. COVID. And talk kind of a little bit about the the response that you've seen from the small businesses here locally. You know what? I think it's a huge range. So I think it depends on what sector those small businesses are in. You know, when we look at um, gyms, when we look at certain restaurants, I mean, they've been forced to close their doors. And so, you know, they're going to have a really tough time. And, and we know they're going through a tough time now. 
Um, restaurants, you know, are able to open now. Some of them have, a lot of them haven't yet. Uh, there's protocols that are in place. There's a lot of information that people need to get to be able to feel safe. And, and we've got to build that confidence up again. You know, when we have eight people in the province who have COVID-19, um, this is a pretty safe place to be. But but not everyone knows all of the information and not everyone knows all the facts. And, and you know, they're not watching it every day. And, and you know, they're one of the lucky people who don't have to watch it every day. I watch it every day. <laughs> and I know that, that we're a pretty safe jurisdiction to be in. So big range. The, the, the restaurants, as they start to open, I mean, their success is going to be based on our actions. And to the extent that we can shop local, to the extent that we can go and patronize these restaurants and these attractions and these stores, um, they're going to do better. And, and that's on us. I mean, we've started a, an advertising campaign at EDW and Tourism Winnipeg uh, that's basically around the idea that Winnipeg will save your summer. So if you thought you were going to go to Europe or you thought you were going to go and, you know, go down to California and learn to surf or whatever your, your holiday plans were originally going to be, chances are they've been derailed. And, you know, we, we have two choices. One, we can be miserable about that and think, oh, this sucks and I hate this pandemic. I hate it too, by the way. But the flip side of that is you think, hey, Winnipeg can save your summer. Go be a tourist in your own city. Yeah. You know, go do the loop tour that we've put on our website, which is about a three and a half hour walking tour that starts and ends at the Forks, takes you through St. Boniface, takes you through the Exchange District, all the way up to the Winnipeg Art Gallery, back down Broadway in front of the ledge. Go look at those buildings again. Because I bet you if you go about your day-to-day -day business, you forget to look at how spectacular the legislative building is, right? How, you know, unique the architecture in the Exchange District is. And while you're in the Exchange District, stop in all the little stores of, you know, people that are, are building great things. Leonard Taylor, one of my favorite people, a great ambassador for our city, I mean, is... is spreading positivity and, and doing great things. Go into his store, buy his clothing, you know, help him get back on the road to, to recovery and, and go eat in restaurants. And, and the more that this city does that, the more this province does that, you know, the more we're going to bounce back. So that, that's, our, that's our challenge, that's our opportunity. And I think, you know, I think people will have a great time if they, uh, if they become a tourist in their own city for a few days this summer. I love that. The idea and the the, um, the words of encouragement to be a tourist in your city, I think that's fantastic. And yeah. I think it was just this morning, actually, CBC released an article about how with so many less international travelers, just to Canada in general, yeah. the tourist destinations are going to be loved by locals because they're actually going to be able to more explore their local regions. Yeah. And, and I think so, to your point, that's absolutely right. I think that's going to be huge and huge for the bounce back of the economy, which, yeah. is, which is exactly fantastic. Exactly. So pre- um, Pre-COVID in 2018, the Winnipeg GDP grew by 3.1%, which almost twice the Canadian average. Do you think that we'll get back to that point uh, post-COVID in a, in a decent amount of time? Yeah, or I mean, the timing is going to be interesting. Um, I, we've, you, hear, you hear economists and people far smarter than me debating on what this recovery curve is going to look like, right? Is it a U-curve? Is it a hockey stick? Is it, you know, there's, there's a bunch of um, theories that are out there. I, I mean, we're going to see... Um, we're going to see our economy bounce back. We are, we are fortunate in that ag and manufacturing are already doing okay. They haven't had the biggest hit. Um, in fact, you know, ag has seen a, a bit of a surge. And, and in Manitoba especially, you know, we're very reliant on, on agriculture as one of our key sectors. So that positions us very well. Our diversity positions us very well. Um, you know, we're going to see a lot of our research and a lot of our companies that are, are doing... Um, cutting edge things, you know, they're going to have an opportunity to grow very quickly. And, and I mentioned price industries earlier. Well, they do HVAC and they do um, 
air movement, you know, in hospital rooms and in operating rooms and and they have some great technology on that front they're going to be positioned you know to again take it to another level and and i think their technology is going to be even more and more valuable so we have little gems like that in our community and they're going to probably get back to where they were if not ahead of where they were relatively quickly but we're going to have a tourism industry that that's probably going to take a little bit more time you know we're seeing some pretty negative um, information right now on the aerospace sector and, and, you know, we can all point to the fact that no one's flying and, and uh, airports are, are ghost towns right now. And, and how quickly does that get back? And, and we know that, you know, Winnipeg does a lot of uh, maintenance on aircraft. We do a lot of engineering on, on aircraft. Well, if people aren't flying and aircraft aren't, you know, getting used or need maintaining or, you know, we're not building new ones, that, that puts us in a tough spot. So all of those things you know, are, are going to impact how quickly we jump back. I have no doubt that, that Winnipeg will jump back. It's just going to be a matter of, of timing and, and how we dig our way out of this. Hmm. You mentioned innovation and new technologies, with spe- especially with some of those industries yeah. that are really advancing. From a, a technology perspective, what type of innovations could you see Winnipeg implementing to be more of a, a smarter city? Yeah, it's a great question. We're, I'm actually on um, a team that the Premier has put together to talk about economic recovery and to talk about how we best position our city and our province to get out of this environment. And we're looking really hard at you know, what technologies we need to put in place and what we've done as a result of the pandemic, which may be good and maybe we continue doing it. You know, One of the things we've talked about is when you get your auto pack insurance, we've always had to go down and sign the papers and you've had to go down and, and be there in person. Well, when the pandemic hit, we found a way for you to do that electronically. Why would we stop, right? Those mm-hmm. types of things, I mean, we, we can become more efficient and we can look at those things. We're going to do that. I, I look at, you know, some of the things Winnipeg Transit is doing to make sure that our buses are safe. And, and New Flyer is really driving a lot of those initiatives. But there are UV lights that are being put in buses to kill germs. You know, there's HEPA filters that are being put in to purify air. There's things that are happening that... We're, we're test driving in Winnipeg and, and huge credit to New Flyer and, and the technologies and, and the, the leadership that they've put behind this. But, but those are things that, that we're seeing, you know, kind of take hold in Winnipeg and, and those things can, can go global. So um, I, I think it's limitless in terms of the t- technologies that we're going to be able to discover and put in place. We're going to have to pick our spots and we're going to have to figure out, you know, where we focus and how we make the biggest impact. And uh, there's a lot of really smart people that are thinking about that right now, and, and I hope that um, we make everybody proud. I think that's really neat, some of the really cool, innovative things that some of those companies are doing yeah. like, well, that, that you mentioned. Now, kind of on topic of those innovations that you mentioned, um, what, what do you think will have the greatest influence on cities in the coming decade? Will it be technologies in terms of sustainability, increasing efficiencies, increasing safety? Is there a sector of, of those type of innovations that you think will have a really bigger impact in the next decade? You know what, I, I think it's going to be a bit of everything, and I, I know that's kind of a, a lame answer, but it's it's one of those things that none of them are going to work without the other. And and if we are not, you know, environmentally responsible, and, and I think we've seen that during this pandemic, right? We've seen bluer skies in parts of the world. We've seen cleaner water. We've, we've seen what we are able to do if we pause for a moment. I, I think there is going to be a demand by populations everywhere to say we can do better than what we've done. So I think... I think that's going to be a part of it, and I think it's going to be intrinsic in everything we do going forward. I mean, electric buses are going to be, a, you know, a big part of that. I think technology is is changing and developing at a rate that we've never seen, and I think, you know, that's 
that's what the math tells us is going to happen, right? It's going to get exponentially um, faster and faster and faster as we evolve. And, and so I think there's going to be, there's going to be new technologies. I think it's going to make life easier. I think it's going to, um, make us more efficient in a lot of ways. I think there's going to be a, a pullback though of people wanting to again be connected. And I think that's one of the things that I've seen throughout this pandemic is is what we miss, right? And and I can't tell you how excited I was to go to a meeting when the lockdown kind of ended and I went to the ledge and got to dress up again and go do that. You know, I would have told you in March, "Oh my gosh, not another meeting. I'm so <laughs> sick of this." But but it's the things that, you know, that give us energy and and so I think there's there's going to be a bit of a reckoning, and I think we're going to end up somewhere in the middle, but all of those things are going to play a key role. How have you seen, I, I think you mentioned also earlier about the one of the really unique and cool parts about Winnipeg is the diversity of people and yeah. the talent levels. Yeah. How have you seen the generations change the future of Winnipeg and where we've we've gotten to today? And what do you think will be the, is there, if there's a specific need that the current era was uh, uh, was that was present that wasn't in the past in terms of generations? Well, I think, you know, our, our dependence on um, connectivity, right? Our, 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 our dependence on Wi-Fi, our dependence on making sure that we're all connected. I mean, that wasn't something that was top of mind 20 years ago. Um, and now we're seeing that it's, it's a key driver for success. We're, we're particularly seeing that in rural Manitoba and some of our northern communities that don't have that access. And that's where equality is going to come in. And that's where, you know, this is going to be a right that all of our citizens are going to have to have because it is effectively a, an essential service now. So so that this pandemic has shown us that as well. Um, but I think that's one that, that has continually evolved. And I, I don't see that going away. So do you see that as kind of the, the still the biggest challenge for future generations too? You know what, I, I think we'll get there relatively quickly. So I, I think we're going to make sure everyone's connected relatively quickly. And, and, and so I don't see that as being a burden on the next generation. You know, how we are environmentally um, appropriate and how we are, are making sure that we're taking care of our planet. I mean, I think that's one that, that we're going to see future generations call us on. And, you know, we're seeing that now with the, with the very young generation um, saying, you know, climate change is a problem. How we treat our planet is a problem. So how do we how do we start to evolve and, and how are, are we going to hold ourselves to task on making sure you know we do better going forward? That's that's one I think that's going to continue to impact us. I think you're right. I think sustainability uh, is major. It is huge, and I think yeah. the the younger generations that's they get it. They get it. They yeah. do, and and they're all about the local and sustainable yeah. and environmental friendly, which is really great to see. Yeah, we need to catch up. Absolutely. Yeah. So. The United Way of Winnipeg is really um, obviously doing a, a big part to reduce homelessness and, um, yeah. and we talk about a big range of diversity in terms of uh, individuals in the city as well. How can a city such as Winnipeg best handle that gap between rich and poor? What can we do to, do you think, that can to help the lessen that? Well, I, I have so much respect for the United Way and, and Connie Walker is a friend of mine and, and they do incredible work. Um, you know, I, I think there are other people that are going to lead that in a way that are, are more um, are more in tune with it than I am. I think as a society, we've got to be educated and we've got to understand how we help the problem. I mean, I, I don't think any of us can come in and fix it. And there's a lot of um, issues, I think, that play into homelessness and play into the gap that we see. And, and you know, mental health is one of those big ones. Having access to resources is one of those big ones. And, and um, you know, having access to... Um, sustainable employment and economic prosperity is a big one and, and I think we all have roles to play in that and I think you know giving and um, 
acting in a united way is really impactful. So I, I you know, am continually follow the lead of, of what uh, the United Way is doing and, and what they're asking us to do. At Economic Development Winnipeg, you know, we have a role to play in economic prosperity and we have a role to play in making sure that there are jobs in this city and in this province for people that want to want them, right? And, and one of the great examples of, of how we continue to adapt, you know, I mentioned Ubisoft earlier. I got to spend some time um, when I first started Economic Development Winnipeg at Sisler High School. And if you ever want to feel great about being a Winnipegger, you go to Sisler High School. Mm. You know, it's, it's the largest public high school in the province. Um, it is in an area where a lot of students don't have all the advantages of, you know, that some people may have. And, and they're not, you know, there's lots of kids that don't have computers at home. There's lots of kids that, um, who, who are in families that have never gone to post-secondary education. And you walk in that school and uh, you are floored by the respect, by the um, ingenuity, by the passion that these students have. And, and these students are doing things you know, that are unbelievable. One, they're, they're doing a, a hacking program. So they are doing computer networking and they're learning all that. And, and companies have donated old computers and stuff. And, and one of the classes is to learn to put a computer network together. And once the network works, you're done. You pass. Congratulations. Cool. So what are you going to do with the rest of your time? Learn how to hack into it. Right. And, and the Pentagon actually put a program in place. It was called the Patriot Challenge. And it is was initially intended for the military schools in the United States. And so all of them, you know, they get a code. And if they can hack the code, they get to come to one of like the Pentagon mm-hmm. or another place and do this hacking challenge. These people know more, way more about it than I do. But Sisler High School has won the Patriot Challenge wow. multiple times. Right. Wow. That was never supposed to happen. And, and that's, the, that's the secret sauce, right? That's what Winnipeg has. So I, I look at that and, and, you know, being able to bring Ubisoft, who, who builds computer games, you know, now Sister High School students have a place to work when they get out of public high school because they know how to, you know, manipulate computers. They, they know how to do animation. They're doing computer animation. They're doing, you know, neat things over there. And so... Our job in terms of economic prosperity is to make sure that the, pe- the things that, that young people are interested in, the things that they're good at, do we have opportunities for them here? And, and that's where you know, EDW comes in and, and we try to make sure that you know, we connect all those dots and we see what's new and sexy and, and profitable, frankly. And, and we hope that there's a place for that in Winnipeg. I think that's so great. And just listening to that, it just puts a smile on your face thinking that, you know what, the future generation it's exciting yeah it's in good hands with, yeah with those talented individuals and and I, I i asked a lot of people about you know why winnipeg what do they love about winnipeg and a lot of people say it's the people and and i, I think that speaks tremendously to yeah. your point about those the individuals that are really just driven to to make change and to really be creative and innovative with some of those uh those tasks they're doing and sister high school prime example yeah of that, which is fantastic and the teachers and an administration there right i mean it's it's a it's a relatively thankless job in a lot of ways, right? We don't pay our teachers and our and the principals, you know, probably what they what they deserve. And and these people are working not just Monday to Friday, nine to three thirty. I mean, they're there in the evenings when students want to come. They're finding ways to loan them laptop computers so they can go home and do things. You know, they're there on the weekends, and that's Winnipeg, right? That's 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 what right. makes us special. Yeah. On that note of, of innovation, the 
the world needs entrepreneurs now more than ever, I think, with uh, leading Always, innovation yeah. and, and creativity. How, how, from your perspective, does Winnipeg really support and encourage entrepreneurs? I, I think we've got to show Winnipeggers the entrepreneurs that are here. And we've got to show them the inventions and the, the companies and the stories that originate here. And, and I, I think that, you know, sometimes we have this perception um, that Winnipeg is just this, you know, city in the middle of nowhere. And, and we, yeah, we do okay, but, but we're not Toronto and we're not Vancouver and we're not San Francisco. And, and we need to change the narrative and we need to show people what's possible. And we need to show them that, you know, there's financial services companies that have done incredible things, started and founded right here in Winnipeg, right? We have, you know, a huge insurance industry that is here built by Winnipeggers. We have, you know, great technology companies. We have great HVAC companies. We have great printing. Like the, the, the spectrum is, is large. We need to show people and tell people about that because I think that inspires young Winnipeggers to say, if they can do it, why can't I? Absolutely. I completely agree. And I think another prime example in the tech space is bold commerce and what yeah. they've been able to do. And um, yeah. I remember listening to one of the owners, they were talking probably about, staff, but probably yeah. Yeah, about uh, someone asked them, well, why did you choose Winnipeg and, <laughs> and why not go to Silicon Valley or, or any of the other major tech tech startups and hubs and they had a phenomenal answer just about well because it is such a great place this is home and and why not why can't we do it here Uh, so I think that's great attitude and I think the other really nice thing about entrepreneurship in Winnipeg is there's so many support systems you look at the North Forges the futurepreneurs of of the city and all the resources there to be able to help entrepreneurs really be able to provide them access to, to resources they need to start the business and the, the community, the associates and the individuals that are willing to give back and uh, yeah. I think is massive too. Yeah, for all that's there. You know, one of the gaps I, I see is is access to capital and, and understanding how we get capital into the hands of startups and, and even, you know, that next stage of startups, companies that are almost ready to commercialize or have just commercialized. We've got a gap in our in our economy and we've got to go fix that. And, and I can tell you that that's a, a focus of mine. And, you know, there are, again are a lot of people that are, are putting their minds to that right now because that that is a, a missing link for us. So do you think a lot of that is through encouraging private, more private uh, investments and, and incentives for individuals to invest privately in companies or is it creating uh, venture capital funds? Yeah, I think it's probably going to be a combination of all that. I, I think we are at a disadvantage because we don't have a Manitoba fund. Uh, or a Winnipeg fund. So I, I don't think that, that we're going to solve this problem without addressing that. Um, I think we have a lot of private investment, how we encourage that investment and what that, you know, what we can do and, and how do we put our investors on an equal playing field with investors in other parts of the country um, is, is a riddle that we have to solve. You know, I see um, some Saskatchewan funds that have been approaching some of our startups and, and some of our, our up-and-coming entrepreneurs and, and offering them funding and resources, but the condition is they've moved their head office to Saskatchewan. That just drives me bananas. So, I, and I get it. I get it if, if you're Saskatchewan. I get it if you run a fund that's based in Saskatchewan. I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not satisfied with that. So, so we need to do better. And, and that's one of the areas where I think, you know, we're going to, we're going to fix it as an, as a jurisdiction and, and we're going to have one more tool in the toolbox of entrepreneurs in Winnipeg. I love hearing that. that that's exciting. Um, I, I think that's great and a great opportunity for entrepreneurship and to further encourage entrepreneurship because Winnipeg is such a great place yeah. to, to start a business. What? Um, how would you encourage young leaders to get involved in Winnipeg um, with kind of everything that we've talked about to encourage the, the, the growth of the city? How would you encourage young leaders to get involved? Well, I think, 
you know, the organizations like the Associates are a great avenue for, for young leaders to get involved. I think, you know, people are, are passionate about different things. I think there are so many organizations in Winnipeg that, that are um, just inspirational and, and great things to be a part of that I encourage young leaders to go and throw their hand up, you know, to, to volunteer for some of those organizations. Because I think it gives you a really good path into the community. It gives you a great perspective on the entire community. And I think uh, it's a great way to network and meet people. So I think that's a, a really easy uh, and productive way to, to start out. Um, and I think, you know, Winnipeg is full of opportunities. So um, I, I think, you know, if people are ready to put their hand up, uh, they're, they're going to have, you know, they're going to have opportunities. I want to talk a little bit about the tourism industry, obviously one okay. of the hardest hit with, yeah. with COVID. Um, moving forward from COVID, what do you see in the next three, five years from the tourism industry? What, what's your thoughts on, on where we'll uh, be? That, that gets me excited because I think, you know, Winnipeg has, it's, it's kind of been under the radar. And so we're going to, again, promote some of the amazing assets that we have in our city. And we, we keep adding to that. So, you know, the CMHR is, is a world-class museum. I think we're going to see them come out of this, um, hopefully, with renewed energy. And, and they've put a lot of online programs in place, so people from other parts of the country have been able to participate in some of their programming. You know, how great will it be when they get to come and actually see it and touch it? And, you know, and the building is just so iconic. It's, um, it's going to be... It's going to be great. Assiniboine Park continues to evolve. You know, the Diversity Gardens is going to be open before too long. Um, that That's going to be another highlight in our community. Um, you know, the Forks continues to to grow and, and be, you know, the primary tourism attraction. Not primary, but but the most visited uh, tourist attraction in our city. So, you know, that's that's kind of a great hub. And because Winnipeg is the size that Winnipeg is, you can be in that hub. You can go to Assiniboine Park. You can go to the Museum for Human Rights. You can go to Diversity Gardens. You can go, um, you know, to, to St. Boniface and, and see the history there. You can walk to the Exchange District. You can get to the Art Gallery and, and soon the Inuit Art Gallery. Those are, those are all things that, that we're going to promote and, and we're going to develop itineraries for people that have very different, um, you know, interests. So human rights is one, and, and that's something that I think all of us have an interest in, but there are some people that are very passionate about it. So we can find things for them to do in Winnipeg around that theme. You know, we have an incredible culinary scene in Winnipeg. We have restaurants that are world-class, and so we're putting culinary tours together. I have a, a man that works for me here. Mike Green is his name. He was on uh, MasterChef Canada and made it to the semifinals. He now works for us. He writes Peg City Grub. He interviews all the chefs in Winnipeg, tells us the cool places to go and, and what to eat. So, you know, we're, we're developing itineraries for people that are foodies and, and to see what they want to do. That's awesome. You know, there's a lot of outdoor activities that you can do in Winnipeg, winter and summer. You know, Fort White Alive is is a great place where you can go and, and see a bison herd, you know, five minutes from downtown or 10 minutes from downtown. And in the winter, you can snowshoe there under the moonlight, right? It's it's pretty great. Assiniboine Park has got a huge plethora of things to go see and do. And, and when the Diversity Gardens gets up, you know, again, there's, there's gardens outside that are public gardens. And, and that'll tie back to the theme of human rights. And it also tie into our culinary themes. And, you know, there's there's a lot to get excited about. We have been under the radar, and I don't think we will be for very much longer. 
And I think to your point earlier about encouraging locals to tour Winnipeg and tour their own city, yeah. I think that'll just get it add before to the it. crowds show yeah. up. <laughs> and and when they realize how amazing Winnipeg is from a tourist perspective, I mean, talk about word of mouth and their own sharing on their social networks and to their individuals yeah. to just spread that word. I think that organic growth of, of how amazing Winnipeg is is a huge part part about it. Yeah, if if I could encourage Winnipeggers to do one thing, it would be to start being ambassadors for their city. You know, I, I don't want to hear any more about potholes or cold or mosquitoes, right? Lots of places get cold. We don't have that many mosquitoes. We have them for years. But, you know, we have this great city and there are great things happening there. So, so talk about that, right? Talk about what it feels like to walk around the exchange district and see buildings that are, you know, 100 years old and, and what they look like. You know, talk about walking to the ledge and, and seeing this beautiful you know, whether it's a Masonic temple or whether it's not, um, you know, the, the architecture and the interesting things where you see the gargoyles above on the roof and really take time to notice that, um, you know, go to our restaurants and, and tell me that you would not be equally as blown away if you were sitting on a patio in Winnipeg or you were sitting in one in Southern California or, or New York or wherever it is. I mean, we've got great things and, and Winnipeggers need to start waving that flag and Winnipeggers need to start being ambassadors. And, um, you know, I, I challenge them to do that. Dana, kind of to wrap up our, our discussion here, why Winnipeg? What do you love most about the city? You know what? I, I, I love the community. I love the connectedness of this community. I love the fact that, you know, if I bring a, a, a potential CEO to Winnipeg, um, I can get other CEOs in a room in a matter of hours. You know, I, if I ask someone to do something for the betterment of our community, it's not, oh, I'm not sure I have time. It's let me make some time, right? That's what we do. I I feel like as horrible as this pandemic has been and and as horrible as, you know, this has been on our economy, it it has shown some of the best characteristics of this community. And and I go back to, you know, we have eight active cases in the province. We have planked this curve to a level that, you know, is the envy of the continent. That is what we do. We come together, we do what we have to do, and we get through it. You know, endurance is built by enduring. We've done it. So we're going to continue to build on that, and, and we're going to continue to do that, and, and that's, that's the secret sauce. I agree. You've shared some amazing insights in regards to the city of Winnipeg and, and your perspective, so I, I thank you for that. And we covered some, uh, some really interesting topics, <laughs> I, I think. And I think, I think we, I've been all over the map here. I, that's fantastic. That's great. And I think we really did answer that question. And I think all the listeners uh, who listen to this episode will, will really enjoy that and, and value that. So I, I'm ending each episode or each podcast episode with a quick rapid fire section with okay. all of our guests. So I'm going to uh, throw some questions at you and just kind of first thing comes to your mind, short answers. Okay. All right. Favorite this is the book. part that makes me nervous. Bear Town. <laughs> Bear Town. Yeah. Who's it by? I don't remember, but I. That's okay. There's a sequel as well. Great books. Okay. Favorite thing to do when not working? Um, I'd love to sit on my deck and have a glass of wine and look at the river. <laughs> love it. Name one other company or business person that inspires you and why. Uh, oh, the list is long. Uh, Paul Subri, Jerry Price, Margaret Redmond, um, Barb Gammy. They're they're experts in what they do. They're great people, and and they're, they're they give back. Best piece of advice that you have for young professionals? Oh, show up on time and do what you say you're going to do. You're going to beat most of the people out there if you just do those two basic things. Love it. If you could make one thing happen in the next 12 months, what would it be? Uh, access to capital, uh, that we can get that fund up and running and that we can get you know, that other tool in our toolbox to make us competitive. Do you think you're close? 
I'm not close enough. <laughs> I think you kind of answered this, but what makes uh, what makes you most proud to be a Winnipegger? The community. Last one. You can have a dinner party with any four people in the world. Who's on your invite list? Oh, I would like to have dinner with the Obamas, both of them. Yes. I'm not sure which one I like better. <laughs> um, I would like to have dinner... Uh, I would like to have dinner with Bill and Melinda Gates because I feel like they're fairly interesting and got a, have got a broad range of, uh, of topics to cover. And I would like my husband to be there. Love it. Well, Dana, thank you very much for taking the time to chat today and sharing your perspective and, and insight on Winnipeg. We're very lucky to call Winnipeg home, and, and yeah, I think we are. it's such a great city, and uh, and the city's so great and lucky to have you as a leader as well. So thank you, thank you for all that you've done for the city of Winnipeg and for being such a strong leader and, and role model. I, I really appreciated the, the time to connect and chat today. Yeah, it was great. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks again, Dana. Our strong, diverse, and connected community of talented and supportive individuals is just one of the many things that makes Winnipeg a special place to work, live, and visit. I want to say a final thanks to Dana for joining us on this episode of the Young Associates Perspective and for providing such great insight on our amazing city and the great work that Economic Development Winnipeg is doing. I really enjoyed connecting with Dana and I hope everyone who listened was able to take value from the episode. Thanks for listening and I look forward to sharing the next episode of the Young Associates Perspective with you soon. Take care.